Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We're continuing to the Gospel of Mark in the 15th chapter, and we're in the portion of the Scripture that's describing Jesus on the cross. We saw in the previous episode that uh, everybody was insulting him. The average person around was insulting him. The thieves on the cross were insulting him. The religious rulers were insulting him to themselves. They were mocking him among themselves and saying all sorts of things. We pick it up, verse 33 of Mark 15. It says this. When the sixth hour came, that would be noon, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Okay? So from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon, darkness fell over the whole land. There's all sorts of conjecture as to what this means. Well, let me tell you what it means. It means that darkness fell over the whole land. <laughs> you know? Uh, Mel Gibson uh, chose to portray it in the movie The Passion of the Christ by having extremely dark clouds coming over and block out the sky. Well, okay, that's fine. I don't think that's what happened. I think literally darkness fell upon the whole land. Okay? It doesn't mean upon the whole world. It does mean over the whole land, whatever that may be. Maybe just the land uh, of the Jewish people. We simply do not know, but darkness fell. And uh, this is not the first time this has happened. This happened back in Egypt, okay, uh, with the what we call the ten plagues, that kind of thing, okay? Uh, so darkness fell upon the whole land for this three-hour period of time until the ninth hour. Then verse 34 at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Here's what Jesus said. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's a quote right out of the 22nd Psalm. I think it's the first verse of the 22nd Psalm. It was at this point in time when the entire uh, weight, burden, whatever you want to call it, our words fail us in trying to describe this. But all the sin of mankind were upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin of the past, sin of the present, sin of the future were upon him. And he cries out to God. Uh, God forsaking, but God did not forsake him. Okay? And there's all sorts of ways people try to explain this. You know, that the Father cannot look upon evil. Yeah, I, I find that very weak. You know, the Most High God can look upon anything he wants to. As a matter of fact, I think he was keeping a very, very close eye and ear upon that very moment because this is what he, in the fullness of his triune nature, Father, Son, and Spirit, had determined before the foundations of the earth was spoken into existence that this was the path they were going. So, verse 35, when some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, he's calling for Elijah. <laughs> well, why would they think that? Well, the first words, Eloi, Eloi, it would sound like Elijah. And also, remember... Jesus is in excruciating pain. He's right at the point of death. So it's not like he's going to be speaking real clear. And he's up on a cross several feet up in the air. They're bystanders several feet away at the best. 
So they thought that he was crying out for Elijah, for Elijah to help him. So verse 36, someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine. They put it on a reed and gave him a drink saying, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Well, what is that all about? Huh? So they go grab this sponge and they you know, get it full of sour wine, like vinegar kind of stuff. And they put it on a stick because that's the only way they could get it up to him. They had to put it on a long reed to give him a drink. Again, Jesus didn't take any of it. How do I know that? Well, the next verse tells us he dies. Okay, But what's this deal about them saying, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down? They were hoping that this sour wine would reinvigorate him, keep him alive for a few more moments, because they wanted to see if Elijah was going to come and take him down. Again, it's just a part of the insulting things that they were doing, just a part of the hurling abuse, the belittling of Jesus. Hey, let's see if we can keep him alive a little bit longer. We'll see if Elijah is actually going to come down and take him down. Verse 37, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. You'll see in the other Gospels and throughout the Scripture that no one took the life of Jesus from him. He gave his life. And they were actually amazed. We'll see this next episode a few verses down that he had died quickly from the time he was placed on the cross, nailed the cross the time he died was only six hours. Often it was a period of days before they actually died. Here Jesus cries out with a loud voice. He cried for the Father. Then he cries out with a loud voice and he breathed his last. Other portions of scripture talk about how he offered up his spirit. He gave up his spirit out of his body. When that happened, verse 38, and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil in the temple. The veil is what separated the, uh, the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And that veil was torn from top to bottom. It's a very large veil. You can read all sorts of different uh, commentators that will comment, uh, and they all have varied sizes and this kind of stuff. I know a lot of times people say, well, the veil, the curtain was 18 inches thick itself. Uh, I don't think so. You know, it might be. I could be totally wrong on that, but I don't think so. But it was a very thick, very substantive veil. It wasn't just a, a thin piece of muslin. Okay? It was a very uh, uh, thick veil, and it was torn from top to bottom. Well, of course that is significant. Torn from top to bottom. What's the whole point of that? What's the whole purpose of that? What's the whole picture behind that? Here's the picture. And you actually learn more about this in the Hebrews. That when the veil of the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ was torn, that's what happened. He was torn, literally torn to pieces. When the veil of his flesh was torn, and when he offered himself up and his spirit came out of his body, then the veil that separated man from God's presence was done away with was torn. Now man was no longer separated by a veil from God. No longer was it just one man that could go in on one particular day of a year after following a very strict protocol. No, now all mankind would have access to Father through the Lord Jesus Christ by his flesh that had been torn. Now the veil of the temple was torn. No longer would there be separation. From top to bottom shows that God did it. There's no way man could have torn that. If man had torn it, he'd do it from the bottom up. But he couldn't. No way he'd done it. 
don't you know the priests that were in there were just dumbfounded. Other gospel writings tell us that the, there was an earthquake that took place, that the rocks broke up, the ground shook, a very strong earthquake. This was also at the very moment when they would have been sacrificing the Passover lamb. This was the day of preparation when this was taking place. And they killed the Passover lamb between the evenings, that's what Leviticus 23 says, at three in the afternoon. At the very moment when the lambs were being slaughtered, Jesus died. At the very moment when the priests were offering one for, uh, for the nation of Israel, the veil was torn from top to bottom. They could also see in then, priests who would normal, normally never ever see into the Holy of Holies could see in there. You know what they saw? They saw the emptiness because there was no Ark of the Covenant in there. There hadn't been one in there for 600 years since the Babylonian exile. Yeah, they'd carry along the charade of the religious thing. There's the secret of the high priest that when he went in to sprinkle blood, he wasn't sprinkling it where the presence of God was because the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. But now we have access to the very presence of God, and the very presence of God actually lives within each and every true believer. It is a amazing thing, folks. Maybe we'll talk a little more about that as we go along. Well, my time's up. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you next episode. Goodbye.